Welcome to the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. We have a ton of great Oregon State content coming your way. Let's get this thing started. We are finally back for another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast. Adam, my man, it's been a couple days. Uh, We've been playing with people's emotions left and right, letting them know that one day we're going to do it, and we didn't because just timing things, and then kind of it just went on and on and on and on. So I want to be the first to say I apologize uh, to you guys for that, but we are here now, and uh, we're ready to do this. How you doing, Adam? Yeah, I'm doing great. Just echoing that, you know, um, life happens. So sorry, everyone, on that front and uh, ready to get this done. We got two coming at you this week, and we are excited to talk about all things Oregon State related. Yes, so, we are. Let's get after it. Yeah, and we do have uh, some re- some pretty cool news for the podcast. Uh, so instead of having it be over SoundCloud and kind of just like freelance with the podcast, uh, I'm actually, I actually decided to reach out to my station and see if we can kind of work some way in uh, to try to get the podcast on the station. Basically, it went through. So now, just to let you guys know, it probably won't be this week, but maybe next week is when um, the damn podcast and the damn recruiting podcast will be over on either 1080thefan.com in the podcast section. You can download the radio.com app. And then also I'll tweet it out like I always do and, you know, we'll always spread it around as much as we can, but it'll, it'll basically be the exact same thing. But, you know, I had to throw my two cents in. We are the home of the Ducks, So, you know, I had to be kind of the asshole who was like, all right, but where's all the Beaver stuff? So we did that. And, uh, yeah, so now we got an Oregon state podcast on the duck station. I just had to do that. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, we, we got to balance it out a little bit. So that should be up next week. The only thing I am working on is, I have to get the artwork done. I have to do some, I have to try to be creative in some way. I don't really know how I'm going to do it. Don't know how I'm going to go about it because <laughs> copyright stuff can't have the Benny, can't have anything Oregon State like that. So, um, you know, how about this? I actually, this is for anyone listening, you guys can reply either one, should I just do like a, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, basically like an off brand Benny. And like try to do something like that, or should I just write out like the damn recruit or the damn podcast with Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson and Angie Machado? I don't know. You guys tell me what you think hey, would be cooler. Because how about this? If we got any artists out there, how about somebody mock up some caricatures of Marcus, myself, and Angie, and we'll use that. Yeah, that'd actually be super cool. Uh I would say I would do that, but <laughs> I am the last and when i say last i mean the last person who would know how to do any of that i don't even know honestly how to i can barely draw a stick figure but hey i'm i'm right there with you bro (laughs) right there with you (laughs) that being said yeah so the the damn podcast and the damn recruiting podcast will now be on 1080thefan.com it'll be on the radio.com app it'll be on itunes basically everything that already is it just won't be on soundcloud so um i'll always tweet everything out uh, I'll find a way to basically make it easy for you guys and just so all you have to do is press play like we usually do. But that being said, let's go to some news and notes, Adam. Definitely. 
Um, hey, a lot of stuff happened over this last week. Where do we even start? I think we should start with uh, – let's talk about some of the new offers that went out for football before we kind of get into the uh, – what we just say – the coaching staff was dancing all weekend. Yeah, yeah, they they straight yeah. up killed it. That was uh, yeah. before you go into news and notes. I think we should actually hit on that because uh, that's something yeah. that I think is that is refreshing. That was a refreshing sight for me to see, um, especially when you see some of the guys that they got. You know, there's some guys who had some legit offers, um, guys who you see size, skill. You're like, okay, those are really good athletes, and they have some good offers but they choose Oregon State, a team that hasn't had much success in the wins, that means that they could sell something, right? That means that they can sell the dream mm-hmm. and they can really um, you know, influence players in a way that players want to connect with them, right? And players want to be in Corvallis and play for Oregon State. So that's something that's super big. And I think they absolutely killed it. You know, I think Coach Smith has been going crazy on Twitter. I think it's hilarious. It's cool to see him on social media now because, you know, like he said earlier is that, you know, he had that quote in the Oregonian that he said here at the station that he didn't like. He didn't like the way that sounded. Um, basically, he was saying that any tool you could use for social or for recruiting, he has to use it, right? He can't back down from it, and basically, he can't play catch-up all the time. And so, seeing him on social media, right, and he comes out, his first tweet is like, uh, found my password or something funny, right, and he's joking around. But all yeah. of, all the stuff that you kind of see from him and the staff just – you know, one after the other, tweeting, 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 something funny, either something serious, funny, you know, like congratulating people, being excited, stuff like that. It's refreshing to see, and it shows that, okay, now the staff is starting to get it because now, you know, Adam, you saw it over this last weekend. They're catching some steam, man. Like, they're they're on a move now, yeah. and the train is starting to roll, and it just seems like it keeps coming and coming and coming. And so, um, they, you know, they had to take a step back. They had to do some self-evaluation. Okay, what are we not doing right? What are we doing right? And so they took the things they weren't doing right, and they improved on them. Maybe they reached out yep. to um, handfuls of people, whoever you know they could, and and got advice from everybody, right? And so just yeah. that's and that's that's something that's hard to do. I know football coaches who have a lot of pride. There's a lot of people on that staff. Uh, the previous staff had a lot of pride that wouldn't mm-hmm. do something like that. So the fact that they're doing well, that shows how much they care, and they take the step back and say, okay, if I'm not doing my job as well as I think I should, then I'm going to find a way to do it. And that's super big. I really like that. They're finding ways to reach out, connect with kids, connect on social media, and more importantly, connect with the fans and the community and everyone at Oregon State because when they do things like that and they're tweeting out like that and people are loving it, it's, like I said, it's just refreshing. And so I'm super excited to see that, and, I, and I'm happy that they had a lot of success over the weekend. Definitely. I think, I think what went a long ways with me was his ownership of it too. Like, uh-huh. Hey, I'm, I'm owning up to it. I dropped the ball on this and I'm going to do better. I think that resonates a lot with the fan base too, instead of either passing the blame or just completely ignoring it, which is, you know, trends that we had seen with previous coaching staffs and you know, with other programs and such. Um, but I mean, Hey, we got a new bat signal out there. Damn right. Yeah. Damn, right. When you see that, you know something's going down in Valley Football Center. Yeah. And that's exactly what went down this weekend. Uh, three big commits. Um, and it, in, uh, Juco, three Juco athletes. Uh, first off, you have Nashawn Wright, the cornerback out of Laney College. 
And you also have Tyree Fisher, who's a Arkansas bounce back via Trinity Valley Junior College down there in Tyler, Texas. And uh, lastly, Tavis Shippen out of Mount San Jacinto Junior College. Um, and I think just the, the pickup of those three, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about this later, but it, it's just huge, not only because of their skill levels, but getting Wright and Fisher in as part of the 2019 class and getting them to come back to campus here in, you know, two and a half weeks to start up the bridge program, that's immediate help. And that shows, that tells me that, hey, this spring wasn't only about developing your, your talent and getting acclimated and continuing to, um, you know, get your systems in place, but also to assess where you're at with your talent level and is there immediate needs that can be addressed? And uh, they definitely address that in Fisher and, and Wright. And I think that's impressive, and especially the, the, the legwork that uh, Coach Bray and Michael Doctor and, you know, some of the other guys around that uh, inside VFC put in to get these guys here and eligible for this upcoming fall was huge. Um, but yeah, we can definitely talk more, but I know we'll talk more about those commits later, um, on in the pod, but, uh, you know, if we want to cut over to just the new offers and kind of get the ball rolling there, they're definitely, um, uh, coming out the heels of camp season right now with their two big camps. We'll talk more about those as well, but some new offers, uh, coming out of those, uh, wide receiver, Trevor Pope out of Tracy, California. He's a three-star picked up an offer, um, Two weekends ago, after the Northwest Showcase, Coach Henson personally offered him. He's a six foot one, one hundred sixty five pound athlete. Uh, Oregon State joins Fordham, New Mexico, and San Jose State on his offers list, and he's going to be making the camp circuits. He's got a few stops in California that he's looking to do, and uh, I could definitely see some more Mountain West, um, Mountain West schools getting involved there, as well as uh, some Pac twelve schools that are showing interest already. Um, an intriguing, another intriguing athlete was Tommy Spencer. He's a tight end out of Roseville, California. Checks in at 6'5", 235. Rated three stars as part of the 2020 class. Uh, I got to see him at the OSU half camp, half day camp a week ago on June 2nd. Uh, really impressive physique, moved really well, had good hands. Um, Picked up his offer after that, and they joined San Diego State in offering. Fresno State actually offered this last weekend after a, a camp performance as well. A um, couple linemen also getting a look at, mainly Taliesi Fuaga out of Mount Tahoma up in Washington. He's a three-star offensive tackle. Really started to blow up that weekend, uh, June 2nd, emerging on many programs uh uh, radars after his performance up there at the Northwest Showcase. Uh, Nevada and Oregon actually offered um, following Northwest Showcase, and then he was down in Corvallis the next day for that half camp, and Oregon State offered. He's a big kid, 6'5", 320. Um, needs a little bit more polishing, I think, along the offensive line. He projects as a tackle prospect um, as far as fundamentally, but definitely has the build that you like and a frame that you can – you can definitely work with. You can see uh, Coach Mahalachek giving him a lot of attention at the uh, half-day camp there. Uh, looking at the future classes here, we got uh, Brock Bowers, a tight end out of Napa, California. Uh, as part of the 2021 class, picked up an offer. They joined The Beavers joined Arizona State, Cal, Nebraska, Nevada, San Jose State, Tennessee, and Utah on offering. And then a local kid out of Westview High School, 
uh, as part of the 2022 class, wide receiver Darius Clemens picked up an offer after the Northwest Showcase. Um, he's 6'3", 180. Uh, I know when we speak with Lucas, he'll speak more on Darius's performance at the Showcase, but Oregon State was the first uh, Power 5 offer for him, and he checks in 6'3", 180. Um, BYU, Nevada, Utah State are all involved there as well. Uh, kind of switching gears over to men's hoops, we've got a few new names to keep an eye on. Uh, number one being Kelvin Jones. He's an Idaho State grad transfer who visited over the weekend. We're still reaching out to uh, get his thoughts on things and where he stands in his recruitment or re-recruitment. Um, he's a post player, 6'11", 230, averaged just under 10 points per game and six boards with one-and-a-half blocks uh, for Idaho State this last season. Uh, he visited Vautech two weekends ago, OSU last weekend, and then he's still looking to take a couple more visits. And the uh, possible des- destinations are Florida, Wake Forest, Oklahoma State, Boise State, and Missouri State on that end. And then a couple 2020 names to keep an eye on as uh, as things continue to develop there on that front. There are a couple of JUCOs out of South Carolina um, Vince Cole, he's a 6'6 shooting guard, and Ahmad Ron, uh, he's a 6'8 post wing type player. He actually led uh, the JUCO um, ranks in shots blocked for last year. Uh, both of them will be entering their sophomore seasons. Uh, they're getting interest from Cincinnati, New Mexico State, Texas A&M, to name a few schools. And shifting over to women's basketball, a couple um, – Players to keep an eye on who are definitely top targets for Coach Ruick and his staff. Uh, Haley Van Lith, we talked about her a few times. She's that uh, top elite point guard, uh, combo guard out of Kashmir, Washington, uh, the number two player in the nation for the 2020 class. She was over in Mongolia and led Team USA, the under-18 team, the three-on-three team, to a gold medal. And actually, the first time ever the men's and women's teams brought home the gold. So congratulations to Haley and her teammates up there. Uh, Hopefully get to see her down in Corvallis soon as her brother's playing for the Corvallis Knights. Uh, So thinking an unofficial visit could be happening soon. We're still working on that. Uh, We do expect her to take an official visit here at some point, uh, whether it's this summer or into the fall. And looking ahead at a couple of future targets as well from the 2021 and 2022 class. They're also participating for Team USA on the U16 national team that will be competing in Chile um, next week. We're talking about Peyton Verholst out of Bishop Miege uh, in DeSoto, Kansas. She's from the 2021 class, five-star number 10 player in the nation. And Lauren Betts out of Grandview High School in Centennial, Colorado. Uh, She's from the 2022 class and a five-star as well. They're going to be down there in Chile competing against the best in the world. So I think that speaks volumes as to the talent level that Coach Ruick is trying to get to come to Corvallis. Hey, we're going to go next level. And honestly, this is one of my favorite segments and favorite parts of just doing this podcast. I I really turn into a fan here as I listen to uh, Marcus break down some film. And honestly, this kid, Nashawn Wright, out of Laney College, has not only myself excited, but you know, a lot of the staff is just ecstatic to get him and uh, Tavis Shippen in. But let's start with uh, Nation Wright. 
um, out of Laney College. He prepped at James Logan High School in Union City before going to Laney. Uh, he committed while he's on his official visit this past weekend. He's a former teammate of current B defensive tackle Jordan Whitley down there at Laney. Uh, as I mentioned, he's got immediate eligibility. He'll be back in Corvallis in a couple weeks. You, what probably jumps off the page is his size, combination of size and speed. He's 6'4 and runs a 4'4", 540. Is that, how does that look? How does that even, I just have issues computing that. Mm-hmm. You know, on the film, how does that how does that come across, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I mean, just in general, when you're when you're six four, six five, I mean, first of all, it's it's just ridiculous, man. And when I broke down this film, the first thing I noticed was the fact that his game is and the and I'm not saying it because obviously he is an all pro already because everyone has stuff to work on. The kid is the kid is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. His game reminds me a lot of like a Richard Sherman, right? Richard Sherman is a you know, he's not your typical corner. He's bigger, taller, um, and he has really long arms. I think uh Coach Adams likes that in his corners as we've started to see, but you know, he has great man coverage and I say this because the same thing with Richard Sherman is the fact that not only off the line is he so long and it's it's hard to, you know, it, in a way he, he could press the receiver off the line so easily because of his size, but it's the fact that every single time a team tried him downfield, right, and when you try, obviously, somebody downfield, you're going to kind of air it out and, and you're going to let your receiver go make a play. But the thing with him is his, since his size, he's so big, he's so tall, long arms, and not and running the, a 4-5-40, man, it's just too hard to beat them. It's too hard to beat him, right? So when teams are bombing the ball downfield, I watched it time and time again. Um, most of the time he got an interception. So I was like, whoa, hold up. that's This is ridiculous. This guy looks like he should be a forward in basketball. <laughs> but it's the fact that he can just go up and basically, even if he doesn't get the interception, he has such a size advantage for the most part that he just he, it's so easy for him to knock the ball down and break up the play and i saw it time and time again and you know the fact that his speed and it, it plays such a big part because you would think with this size that okay he's not going to have the best footwork or it's going to be it's going to look a little different because for the most part when you see a corner what do you think you think probably 511 to 510 maybe 6 foot right and guys that are that are fast, super athletic, can jump, you know, have all the agility in the world. But uh, the dude is just, he's a ball hawk. That's what I wrote down in my notes is that he's just an absolute ball hawk and finds ways to shift the momentum. And my goodness, I could could not tell you how excited I am to see a guy who will basically, (laughs) you know, shift the momentum at any time in the game. If you try him downfield, he is going to make you pay. That's something that I think Oregon State has really been missing in a way it's just – Maybe some size on the outside, right? We had Jay Irvine. Jay Irvine faced a lot of um, a lot of injuries, and so it was unfortunate. But I think Jay was kind of that guy. Now we have a guy. When you come to think about it, and the biggest thing I thought about was, okay, you put him against a receiver, a tight end, you know, a guy like that with a team like Stanford, right? And we saw it last season. That was what I pinpoint the most was, and I, you know, I wrote it down in my after the game or yeah, analysts and anything like that was the fact that Stanford just, they, they overpowered us. They had bigger guys. It's just too hard. It was kind of like a box out in basketball. They just box us out in the end zone. Right. And they kind of, the quarterback wouldn't even throw a spiral. He threw like a duck in the air, but it's the fact that they're (laughs) six, four, six, five, six, three receivers that are like two fifteen, Right. And so you just, there's just six, eight ends out there. Yeah. And so there's nothing that they could really do about it, but I think having the Sean Wright is going to be, 
it's going to be huge, especially against a team like Stanford. That's where I saw it the most. Um, but I also think, <laughs> sorry, I was just looking at my notes, but um, I circled this as well. And anyone who's heard me talk time and time and time again is, you know, we get beat on certain routes, others more often. Yes, I'm referring to the wheel route. A team tried him four times on a wheel route. I watch, I not only watched his uh, highlights, but I watched a couple game films. Four times in a row, he defended the wheel route perfectly. As soon as I saw that, I was like, we, I was like, I will give this guy my paycheck. Please, I, I need to because, you know, I'm just excited to see that it's the fact that he has kind of all the tools you want. Um, another thing is he comes downhill. He's an aggressive guy. I like that. There's plenty of times where – uh, you know, in his film where a receiver will go to block him and he kind of just throws him off, right? And I love that. I love kind of that Richard Sherman, you know, talk that smack when you need to, back it up with your play, deflect the pass, say, on a third down, third short, third long, whatever it is. Get your defense off the field. Those are the kind of guys we need. I really like that about him. Um, and, you know, the last thing that I circled on my notes was the dude is just an effort player. And at a 6'5", basically 180 guy. I know for a fact because I played basketball. I played a lot of AAU basketball. Maybe Obviously, it's different. He's a football player. But, uh, you know, you see a lot of those bigger guys, and it happens in football all the time, too, that just don't really have that effort, right? Maybe it's more of a hassle for them to run across the field, whatever it is. But I love that about him. And there was a time on his film where um, he threw – he basically threw a receiver out of bounds, right, just tossed him, said, said get off me, son. And then the, the team uh, – like ran the ball in the middle or something, they were running to the opposite side of the field, and he ran him down. He ran him down and basically stopped them from scoring the touchdown. He stopped them on like the two-yard line. But, you know, he ran a solid 25, 30 yards to go run that guy down because everyone else on his team gave up. And I think that's something we've seen on the defense in the past couple seasons is a lot of guys who give up sometimes. And so you kind of have to weed those players out. I think this is a guy who's going to come in, certainly get playing time immediately. There's no way you, you can keep a 6'4", 6'5", cornerback off the field who can come down, make a tackle, um, is a great man to have in coverage, especially when it comes to deep threats. And anyone who you know teams think that they have the side, size advantage with, this guy comes on it, and all of a sudden you kind of take that away. So that's why I take away from his film. I'm super excited about it. If there's one thing I do want to see um, – I wrote it down in my notes was I just want to see him kind of get his footwork a little better. Right. And I a hundred percent get it when you're six, four, six, five, you're, you're probably not going to have the, the, you know, the best footwork you you have long legs, everything like that. But just thinking if he had a little better footwork and can get out of his breaks a little faster, and he certainly will with mm-hmm. being coached up at the division one level, that's where you see that more Richard Sherman comparison. And I can already tell, say he gets his footwork a little better. I think he's, you know, he's going to be a big NFL prospect. He really will. Size alone, he'll be an NFL yeah. prospect because at a six-five, six-four guy for corner, you're already turning heads. So I think Coach Smith and his staff got a perfect guy to come in and really take away any size advantage that a team has. Yeah, and I mean, he kind of, um, he's just he's built and he's got the experience playing at the JUCO level to really match up against those, uh, excuse me, you know, some more of those bigger receivers and such. I I really liked him myself. I thought, you know, he, it was a steal to get him this late in the process, especially when he had other offers from Boise, San Diego State, Hawaii, Colorado was starting to come in. Um, You know, it's, it's, 
it's a real coup for the uh, the staff to get him in right now. And he's just, I think the sky's the limit for him, and he could easily, you know, move on to the next level after he completes his uh, um, eligibility here. I think he's a two-by-two two but has the opportunity to petition for a third year. Uh, we're still working on figuring out how much eligibility he has, and we'll definitely have an answer for you over on fever blitz in the near future. Um, you know, and let's, uh, there, he wasn't the only guy to really, uh, join the ranks of the commits here for Oregon State over the weekend. There was another big win on the recruiting trail and Tavis Shippen. Um, we mentioned him out of Mount San Jacinto. I know you took a look at his film. He's a strong side defensive end, defensive end, checks in at 6'5, 275. Uh, he had a couple big offers. They chose Oregon State over uh, Arizona State, Oregon, and Utah. This was probably the biggest win for the staff over the, the weekend, and he's only going to see his stock continue to rise as uh, he goes through, you know, these next couple months. Uh, there's a question of whether he will redshirt this next year to preserve a year of eligibility. And so he'd arrive in Corvallis January as a three-by-three um, or whether he'll play. I think he's leaning more towards redshirting to save that year and get up here and play more for the Bees rather than waste that year down at Mount San Jacinto. But what did you see on the film about uh, Tavis Shippen, Marcus? <laughs> Shippen, man, 6'5". What was it, 275? My yep. goodness, I'm telling you, man. So first thing that stu- uh, stood out to me was the fact of how explosive and fast he was on the edge. And Usually, you know, you get these defensive end, and it's always about effort for me, I would say, on the defensive line because you're always going to have people in front of you, right? There's always going to be people trying to block you. Um, But for some odd reason, the first, like, three clips, teams really thought they could outrun this guy, and that's where that was, like, a big thing I circle was the fact that this guy, teams would run to the opposite side of him every time. And when they would do that, he would still run the ball carrier down on the opposite side and still tackle him for a loss. That's huge. I don't think, I don't think we understand. Like, it took me a second. I watched it like four or five times. I went back and watched this film. I was like, "There's no way this is real," because the fact yeah. that he has that much speed, and I'm I'm being, and I'm not even trying to sugarcoat it for anyone listening. This guy, I'm serious. It looks like this guy runs like a solid four five four six. I'm not <laughs> kidding. It's unreal. He's so explosive off the outside. He's just physical. He lays huge hits on guys. He was throwing offensive linemen left and right. He has a, a super powerful, powerful, excuse me, strike off the line. From there, he's uh, like I said, he's explosive in a two-point stance, explosive in a three-point stance. There's just something about him that has game changer on him, right? And I think a lot of mm-hmm. the time I say that these are guys that Oregon State needs to get, or when they get him, you know, it's a huge win. But you just look at his offer sheet. You don't get offers from especially defensive line wise let me put this in perspective you don't get you don't get offers from Utah unless you're the real deal on defensive line that's yeah. it. and that's you know obviously them being a Pac-12 foe i'm just keeping it 100 as i can because Utah probably has the best defensive line i've ever played against and the fact that Utah wanted him we got him that's huge that's so huge but he doesn't miss tackles uh that's another huge thing he he's a, he's just smooth he's smooth off the line He's fast, um, really disrupts any play. I saw a couple times teams tried to double-team him. He basically put a, put a stiff arm <laughs> into a defense or, a, uh, excuse me, into offensive tackle, pushed him aside, running back came up, 
uh, bowled him over, got the sack. You know, basically barbecue chicken for this guy, as Shaq would say. It's ridiculous, man. I mean, <laughs> I I tried to find something on his film that was, you know, that I could <laughs> say he needs to improve on, but he has all the moves. He was using swim moves. I'm I'm I was seriously blown away. I really was. I mean, the fact that this kid went JUCO. Um, you know, obviously everyone has their own different reasons, but I could only imagine how many offers this guy is probably still going to get if I'm being honest, but it's the fact that Oregon yeah. state has to keep him. I mean, he, that when we talk about improvements to a certain group or a certain area, if you get him on the defensive line, I, I would throw in all my chips that they at least get, I don't know, 20, 20 sacks easy all combined, like yeah. within the first <laughs> I don't even know how many games. I mean, I'm I'm being 100% honest. I, I couldn't sugarcoat it for you guys. And um, I'm not a guy who would, you know, hype these kids up to a point where their head gets too big. And I will certainly try to not do that for this guy. But it's kind of hard to. That is, you know, I haven't seen someone play that well and that efficient on, you know, as a defensive end since probably Scott Crichton. And even then, yeah. I... I've watched a lot of Victor Butler film too because I heard he was he was the real deal. He wasn't there when I was there, but I mean it's it's hard not to throw his name in the mix. I'm being 100 percent honest with you guys. I think he's a three star, but his game it's he he pushes offensive linemen back like it's nothing. He can drop his shoulder. His hips are so fluid. His feet are quick. They're fast. He can stop on a dime if he needs to. He can stop change the other direction to run down the ball carrier. He can run from the opposite side of the field and make the tackle. He forces fumbles, gets sacks. I mean, there's really nothing else you could ask for a defensive lineman. And we, like I said, it's all about effort, and every single play he has the effort. I guess I could say the only thing I want to see him work on is give me some more highlights on your film because his highlight film was two minutes. So give me like another minute of you sacking people or basically being the best defensive player on the, on the field. But Adam, phenomenal player. Absolutely phenomenal player, and I, you know, I don't know if I can do this in the media, but I might shoot Coach Smith a text and be like, "Yo, <laughs> you're the man for that." <laughs> I give you guys well done. Yeah, I mean, they're they they really killed it, and I'm not sugarcoating it for you Beaver fans at all. A hundred percent, this might be the best defensive lineman I've seen since uh, Scott Crichton, without a doubt, and that's a mic drop yeah. after that. <laughs> And I'm glad, uh, you know, you, you brought up kind of the rankings. And um, for those recruitments out there who, you know, followed recruiting for a long time, um, probably already know this. But for those of you who are newer to um, recruiting, especially how kids are evaluated and the athletes are evaluated, uh, they redid how junior college athletes are assessed. And it used to be, you know, there was a lot more four and five stars at the junior college rank. Um, however, since you're a junior college athlete, you're coming in with less uh, eligibility than a prep athlete would. They've actually decided to take down almost a full star grade for an athlete. You know, when looking at Tavis's film, I could definitely see him being a four star in years past. Um, but with the new ways of evaluating he gets knocked down to a three-star for that um and you know it's there's always going to be the question of whether he's going to stick and um you know he's committed now but what's that going to mean in six months when it comes to signing day in december 
I think Beaver fans can rest easy on this. Um, you know, I, I have heard that he had just a great time, really connected not only with um, his fellow you know, future teammates, but also the coaching staff. He's a much more uh, reserved um, young man. And the atmosphere around uh, Corvallis and OSU and Valley Football Center just really fit him better than some of those other schools that are more excitable, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so he just, he felt more at home here. And, you know, UCLA, I know he was on uh, down in Westwood the day before, um, he flew up to Corvallis for his official visit. He was down at UCLA taking it in and it just felt different to him. Felt like, you know, this is home. This is where I can be me and not have to be somebody else off the field. Mm -hmm. And so that's was one of his big deciding points in committing over the weekend. So big props to the staff for landing both of those young men. Yeah. They... Um, there was a, yeah, they killed it, man. So I just had to, I had to add some more because yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just watching his film again, and I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not. I'm really not trying to gas nobody up to a point where like their head's gonna get too big. But I mean, the kid plays with just on real leverage. He understands leverage so well, and um, just to just to put the last thing on. I know I said mic drop, so now I look like a clown, but. Um, <laughs> Just his ability to no, read and react. Back. Man. <laughs> his ability to read and react. That's something that I feel like we don't have we haven't had, right? We haven't had especially a pure defensive lineman who can sit back, right? Say they as soon as the ball is snapped, they understand, okay, is it gonna be passed? Is it gonna be a run? How do I read this? What do I do? And how do how am I gonna react in such a short amount of time that I can make a difference? And he finds ways to do that, man. It's it's just it's unreal. He can he could read it if it's a run, if it's a pass, reverse. Um, he understands. You could tell that he understands blocking schemes because just the fact that he knows where to be, right? And a lot of the times when teams are pulling guys, um, you know, a lot of guys try to cheat it and maybe go inside, then you get washed, go outside, you get washed. It doesn't matter. He knows exactly where to be, plays with great leverage, has great strength, hand use is unreal, and just knows how to read and react. I'm sorry. I'd add that again. He's unbelievable. The fact that we got him over some of these um, other schools, I mean, that's their loss. <laughs> um, I'm being honest yeah. because he – and I feel like I always kind of say a lot about these guys and, you know, always say he's a guy we need to get, like I said, but that – I'm 100% serious. that This is easily an all-conference guy, hands down. No doubt yeah. in my mind. I – I would put all my chips on the table that he's an all-conference guy as soon as he gets on campus, and especially in his first game, you'll understand, you'll know when he's in, and you'll know that he um, is exactly what I'm telling you guys he would be because he is unreal. Now's the mic drop. Now I'm done with it. <laughs> well, now you got me thinking. I got a question for you. Yeah, let's hear it. What would you, you know, if 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 you were looking at Tavis and had the opportunity, you know, you, you found your future home. You don't have to go out there and impress coaches this next fall uh, to get more offers. Would you redshirt and use that year to continue to develop your body um, as a true sophomore? Or would you, you know, how does, how does the, the cost-benefit ratio play out? You know, taking a year off, should that hinder him, you know, coming in and making that immediate impact down the road? What's, what's kind of your take? Uh, on that. I think, in my honest opinion, I would say 
Um, if I was him, I would redshirt because say you redshirt, then from there, basically, you could work on your game so much more rather than risk an injury. And don't get me wrong, I don't think you know as much as I just talked him up. He hasn't proved anything at Oregon State yet, right? So we can't have him come in, mm-hmm. you know, being privileged. But I mean, the kid is a freak, man. That these are the kind of guys that you have to do everything in your power to have them as long as you can. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. if you Say you get him longer. That just just imagine how much better the defense is going to be. The staff is recruiting some great guys. More people are coming in. If you can improve the defensive line, you find that solid guy, a solid Scott Crichton, uh, Victor Butler. Those are guys that anchor your defense. Those are guys that make a difference in in years to come. And I think that's why Oregon State has struggled. Is that you know there hasn't really been much layover from the last staff, right? So you. We haven't really had that one defensive guy who comes in and absolutely changes the game all on his own, strictly on the defensive line. We haven't had that. That's why we we keep trying to plug and play and trying to find more and more guys that come in and really try to make a difference. But this is the guy that you you get him. This is like your this is like your multi million dollar contract guy. You get him, <laughs> and once you get him on campus, you you try to basically use him as much as you can because honestly he won't he he will at least be an NFL prospect. He will. He really will. <laughs> and just because of his size, his speed, leverage, read and react, he's a smart player, man. And if I'm Coach Smith and his staff, right, obviously it's his choice, but if you could get him to redshirt, it's gonna benefit him that much more because he can just get bigger, faster and stronger, not worry about breaking his body down. And we know injuries happen. I'm not saying that it's gonna happen to him, but you know, if you know, I'm, I'm just flat out gonna say I'm an Oregon State guy, so I understand that sometimes we get some shitty luck, whether it comes to injuries mm-hmm. or things not falling our way. So any way we can like just have a clean, easy road, just so he can walk right in to Corvallis and be ready. That's what we have to do, right? And I feel like that's what yep. the st- the staff should look at it like, and that's honestly what I'm looking at it like because when he gets here. He'll be here, and we'll know for a fact, especially when it comes to game days, we'll know exactly what he's about. But until then, you know, I just want to see a smooth, easy kind of sail right on over to Oregon State. No bumpy, okay, what if he got injured? Okay, now he has to, you know, now he has to come back from an injury. He might not be 100%, so let him sit out a couple games, and then yada, 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 whatever happens. I'm just going off of past experiences. I know how it goes. So Mm -hmm. I, I would say whatever clean, easy slate, Nice smooth sailing. What else is smooth? Uh, I don't know. Whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever else is smooth. Just to get him to Oregon State, and you know, just get him in an Oregon State uniform. Make let him be at home. Right, no confusion. He said he loved it. Basically, I'm trying to make it as easy as I can for him just to come on campus and feel comfortable, and you know, not only be ready to succeed off the field but on the field as well. So, if I was him, I would redshirt. Perfect. And I think I agree, especially, you know, EV coming up as a three by three and with the, um, with how easy it is or the ease of attaining a sixth year of eligibility now as compared to how it used to be. I agree with you. Get them up here with three by three. And if something bad were to happen, everybody knock on wood where he has a, suffers an injury and this is a year you always have that sixth year that you can uh, petition for. So that's kind of my take on it as well. And I think we're in agreement there. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say you're right, man. It's just as we just have to get him as long as we can. 
Just no, no other yeah. thing. Just try to get them as long as we can because I don't know how long we'll have them, but when we have them, oh boy, <laughs> it'll be nice. Definitely. And it might sound like we're winding down, but we're not because there's still two more commits to talk about. Uh, the weekend wasn't done for the Oregon State staff. They picked up another 2019 commit uh, from Kyrie Fisher out of Trinity Valley there in Tulsa, uh, Tyler, Texas. He prepped at Tulsa High School out of Oklahoma. He's a three-star outside linebacker measuring in at 6'2", 230. He's the number five JUCO outside linebacker in the nation. Um, he was actually on campus this last weekend on, in an unofficial capacity. Um, he's a as I mentioned, an Arkansas bounce back. Uh, the staff intends to have him blue shirt, and that's kind of a newer terminology in the recruiting ranks. Um, it's defined by USA Today as a um, blue shirt rules allow for an unrecruited player to be awarded a scholarship at the start of freshman practice. This allows a team that may have too many commits to essentially borrow against their next year's scholarship total. The rules are rather strict in regard to what is defined as being unrecruited. That means there was no official visit taken by the athlete. A coach from the school didn't visit the athlete at home, and there was no national letter of intent signed and no form of athletic aid at that time. So what that means is that, you know, even though he came out to visit, it was he paid for it. Um, he's going to be able to show up here in two weeks with the bridge program you know, com complete that, and then when fall camp starts, he's able to be awarded a scholarship and play um, at that time, you know, for the fall, and that scholarship will actually be counted against the 2020 class rather than 2019. So this was, this was huge for the staff to get um, his commitment because a lot of programs had him pegged as a 2020 recruit rather than a 29, uh, an athlete with 2019 eligibility uh, to get him on campus. So he only had a handful of offers at this time, whereas a lot of um, programs were taking a weight approach to further assess their needs, but definitely had him on their, their radar for this next fall to further evaluate. Um, big time commitment. I know, we aren't going to get into the next level with him as far as breaking down his film. We'll probably save that for Thursday. Um, right, Marcus? Yes, sir. We'll Maybe save that for Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go over yeah. him on Thursday. Definitely. Uh, shifting gears over to women's basketball. We've talked about Sasha Goforth for weeks now, it feels like. They had a big-time uh, announcement for her as she announced her commitment over Arkansas um, for the Bees. Uh, she's a five-star at Fayetteville High School in Arkansas. Uh, this is the first piece of the 2020 puzzle for Co Coach Ruick, and it's really going to hopefully help get the ball rolling towards their other two top prospects, and Caitlin Clark and Haley Van Lith. And um, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out for the two of them. Another uh, relationship to look forward to with the GoForth family is Peyton Burr. Verholz, who we talked about earlier on, out of Kansas. The two are very close. They played on the same three-on-three -three basketball team for the last couple years. So big-time pickups are there for Coach Ruick and one of the top athletes for the 2020 class and Sasha Goforth. Um, hey, let's stick on the uh, talking about commits, except let's bring in Cooper Darling on the damn hotline. 
Uh, we spoke with him. He's the uh, he was the newest commitment up until this last week. He committed to Oregon State at the end of uh, May. He's the offensive guard out of Williams Field um, High School down in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, we'll go ahead and shift over to the damn hotline, then, Marcus. Yes, let's do it, my man. All righty, welcome everybody to the damn hotline here on the Damn Recruiting Podcast. We got a real special guest with us today. The latest member of the 2020 recruiting class, uh, committed athlete Cooper Darling. How you doing, man? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, so we just kind of wanted to catch up with you and talk to you a little bit about um, what came into your decision-making process and what led you to announcing to uh, Oregon State last week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last week I was on the phone with uh, – Coach Endo and Coach there talking about my official visit coming up here next few weeks. I uh, was talking to him about what the plan was with that, and we ended up uh, talking deeper into that, and I ended up committing to him uh, on the phone call. Cool. And so that was Coach Mahalachek? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I called uh, Coach Smith uh, later on and talked to him. Excellent. Now, you grew up in um, the Salem area, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So did you kind of grow up in an Oregon State fan? How did that, that fandom kind of turn into a, a possibility, I guess, for playing at Oregon State? Yeah, so my, uh, my family has been, uh, like I said, I was born in Oregon. My dad's side of the family was graduated from Oregon State, mom's back from Oregon, so kind of been a house divided, so growing up being a Beavers fan and kind of always watching the games, always having that dream to hopefully someday play for them and being in transitioning into high school and uh, developing my skills on the football field and off uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, achieve my dream and my goals and play for Oregon State. That's awesome. That's crazy. Um, so how would you describe yourself? You're, uh, on the football field, you're projected to be an offensive tackle, I think, right? Uh, how would you describe your, your game? What do you do uh, I, well? I would say I'm uh, a nasty downhill player. Like, uh, I mean, as an offensive lineman, you're in the trenches. It's a physical contact for every play. You don't get a playoff. It's 100%, 100% of the time. And it's just kind of, that's a big thing for me, just, being able to be nasty on the field and play with that. Definitely. I, I know Marcus, uh, one of our segments that we do, it's next level, and he, uh, he's been breaking down your film and talking about it, and that was exactly what he said. You just play, play with kind of a mean streak, that nasty side that everybody likes to see. Um, so that's, that's awesome. So you got your official visit then coming up here in a couple weeks. You were up uh, for the spring game, I do believe, correct, earlier this spring? Yeah. What do you think is going to be different uh, this time around on your official visit? And do you have any um, preconceptions of it, I guess, going into it? Uh, when, I, when I go for my official, just kind of getting to know the coaches even better, starting uh, growing on the relationship we already have, and then getting to know some of the players that are up there already that I'll uh, be playing with in the future. Cool. Definitely. I know there's going to be uh, several athletes up there with you as well uh, that weekend, so it would be a good opportunity, I think, to bond with them and all of that. Um, 
so I, I know off air you had said that you guys are in the middle of your spring practices right now. How's everything looking for uh, Williams Field this uh, for your senior Great. year? Yeah, it's, it's been looking awesome. We've had some uh, big rank competitions where the line lines out and compete against other schools, and we've looked awesome there, great there. Uh, just really excited to get into the season and really uh, uh, finish out everyone what uh, kind of the hype's been about on social media. Uh, I know a few uh, local Arizona reporters saying that we're the biggest alumni day and it means a lot and I'm just looking forward to be able to hold on to that and prove everyone that that is true. Definitely. Well I know Beaver Nation's excited to get you into the fold and uh watch you progress throughout your senior year. Hey Cooper, just want to say thanks for hopping on with us real quick. Uh pleasure to meet you and talk with you here and definitely we'll be in touch here again soon, all right? Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. Go Beavs, right? Go Beavs. And that is going to wrap up this episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. Adam, do you have anything you want to add before we go, my man? Man, I feel like we covered so much today, and there's still so much more to talk about. I mean, we didn't even get into baseball and the head coaching search and, you know, um, diving into Kyrie Fisher and whatever else might happen over the next couple of days. But uh, looking forward to getting back after it on Thursday, bud. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Thursday. Like we promised you guys, we'll go two episodes in one week. I know, everyone, let's let's start, you know, hold your applause, please, to the end. But, uh, yeah, we're excited for it, and we'll be back on Thursday. So, Adam, if you don't have anything else to add, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves, and Adam Nicholson. We'll be back on Thursday. 